think most of us have found it. One of the great uh, positives to come out of the uh, recent volcanic ash cloud disruption has been how people have begun to work together in partnership, helping stranded travellers to get home. wonder if you've seen that time and time again. And of course, those of you that uh, lived through uh, the great, uh, well, the Second World War uh, will remember, of course, uh, the spirit of Dunkirk. People working together, forged by tough times, and working for the good of all. And we've seen a glimpse of that uh, these past couple of weeks. Strangers sharing cars and minicabs and coaches, even cash. Rival uh, travel companies working together. Different transport organisations supporting one another. And even governments working together to see what they can do. We don't see that often, do we, in our 21st century culture? Partnerships like that are so rare because we are so individualistic. We're self-obsessed, self-contained and self-dependent. But you know what? That's not the way we're to be if we are Christian people here tonight. If you know and love the Lord Jesus, you are not to be self-obsessed, self-contained, self-dependent, even a Lone Ranger Christian. Christians are to be those who are in partnership with one another, in partnership with others in the local church like this, in partnership with Christians in other churches in Sheffield, in this country and throughout the world. The church should be the biggest partnership the world has ever seen. I wonder if that's how uh, you think of yourself, you think of Christchurch, you think of at the Christian church family. We're all partners in partnership, each of us with one another, even with those that aren't here tonight. And yet so often, don't we, we, we act as though we belong to the world and we allow our individualism to creep in. We sort of become a bit like sort of individuals who pass like ships in the night There's little or no connection between us, except perhaps on a Sunday or midweek in a small group. But this passage from Philippians, and particularly the bit we're looking at tonight from verse 7 through to 11, that smashes that lie to pieces, because it reveals that we're to be in a partnership, a partnership that's founded on the grace of God, with the hallmark of partnership in love, with a purpose of being in partners for the gospel of God. And the goal is nothing short of the glory and praise of God. Well, let's begin uh, to start with, with the uh, foundation, the basis for that partnership. You can see it in verse 7. The uh, NIV writes this. It says, it's right for me, that's Paul, to feel this way about all of you. Not just some of you, all of you in Philippi. Since I have you in my heart, for whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Or perhaps like the ESV uh, translates it, and you can see that uh, on the sheet, says this, "It, it is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defence and confirmation of the gospel. Do you see it? 
the foundation of the partnership that we're to have, it is founded on nothing less than the grace of God. Nothing but the grace of God. Paul says to these Philippians, all of them, Christians, he says, look, all of you are in partnership with me from the greatest to the least, the youngest to the oldest, the newest convert to the one who's been a Christian for years. All in partnership through being recipients of God's undeserved favour, His grace, through faith in Jesus, in His death and resurrection for them. If you look up to the top of uh, the letter, to verse 2, grace is the way that Paul begins his letter. And if you flick on to the end of the letter, just over a page to verse 23, he ends, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. This partnership is founded on grace. And that means that this partnership is exclusive. It's an exclusive partnership. It's only for those people who have received God's grace, who have believed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and received forgiveness of sins through him. It's exclusive, but it is also inclusive. It includes all of those who have received God's grace. See that how Paul reaffirms that time and time again in verse 7? He says, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you. Not just some of you, not just a few of you. He says it again in verse 7. He says, since I have you in my heart, for whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. All of them. And then again in verse 8, God can testify how I long for all of you. Not just some of you, all of them. There are no, as Richard told us last week, there are no passengers in God's church, among God's people. We are all partners, and partners because of grace. It's very different, isn't it, to the world's view of partnership? Uh, if you want to be a partner in a GP surgery, it takes time. You've got to become a GP in the first place, which means you've got to be a medical student. You've then got to pass those exams. You've then got to train as a GP, gain your qualifications, and then you've got to have a certain amount of money to plant into that partnership. And even then it may take time. It's the same for lawyers and for all sorts of other people wanting to be partners in worldly organisations. It's the same the world over. But it's not true for us as Christians. Because when we become a Christian, from the first moment we believe in Jesus and we receive God's grace, you are in partnership. You are in partnership. From that moment on, I was uh, rejoicing with a number of folk here this week uh, when we heard that somebody else from our Christianity Explored course, the latest course, has become a Christian. And that person, from that moment they received God's grace, is in partnership with us. From that person to the people here tonight who have been living and breathing as Christians for 70, 80 years, we're all in partnership together. This is what ties Paul and the Philippians. And he hasn't met all of the people he's writing to. Some of them he hasn't even seen for years. And this is what ties you and me together. Nothing but the grace of God. That's why as a church we partner other Christians and churches all over the world. 
That's why we were praying tonight for Derek and for Audrey. That's why we were praying for tonight for those people who are doing gospel work in the ravages of Iceland. Partnership founded on nothing else than the gospel of God's grace. That's why we want to be in partnership with them. PCC takes it very seriously who we are going to give money to as a church. Consider to ensure that the people we are giving to are those who have received grace and wanting to hold out the word of grace too. Want to work in gospel partnership with them. Now can I just say at this moment that uh, if there's anyone here tonight who is not yet a Christian, I want to say we love you very much. We are longing for you to share in God's grace with us so that we can be more than friends, more than family, partners with you in the gospel of God's grace. And if you're still someone who is, as it were, on the outside of that partnership, Can I just encourage you to explore the truths about Jesus and who he is, about the grace that he offers you and me alike. Come and join us in the next Christianity Explore course. Join Peter with the students at uh, Simply Christianity or one of the other groups. I hear there's another, uh, I think it's reality course starting for the youth. Go to that. And to those of us who are Christians, can I just encourage you not to take your partnership lightly encourage you to take it seriously it's far more than just being members of a cool and cuddly club think about your partnership with one another in the gospel just have a look around you at the people near you I guess there'll be people you don't even know but you are in partnership with them have a look around I do this occasionally and I know people don't like it but have a look around you are in partnership with them And you guys up there are in partnership with folk down here, and vice versa. And you guys over here, you're in partnership with them too. We need to use times like this tonight to make that partnership stronger. We want to be talking to one another, not just about the football results, not just about politics and how we're going to vote, not just about the kids or school or exams, not just about the career we want or the house move or the car. Not just about our aches and pains. We want to be talking about our gospel partnership. God has called us by grace into partnership. Let's rejoice in it. And let's build that partnership together. Let's share that joy of being in partnership. And let's spur one another on. Otherwise, you know what? We're just like another club. Just like the tennis club up the road come together to play tennis. Some of them will be friends outside of that, but many not. No, you see, we are recipients of God's grace, together in gospel partnership. That's the basis upon which Paul is is writing for and praying for the Philippians. And as we look on in these uh, verses, verses 7 and 8, we see what the hallmark is of this partnership. It's a partnership, secondly, that's, that's characterised by deep love for one another. Deep love for one another. Verse 7 leads on, obviously, from verse 6. But it underscores Paul's great commitment to them. And it's not just a sort of a contractual commitment. It's a loving commitment from the heart. 
Paul says, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart. Since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me. Verse 8, God can testify how I long for you. For all of you with the affection from the very depths of my heart. Affection of Jesus Christ. You can see three things about Paul's love here very easily to see its depth. Firstly, it was real. It was genuine. Do you see what he says there? Verse 8, beginning of it. He says, God can testify about my love. Can God testify about your love? Can God testify about your love for your fellow partners in the gospel? Paul's is not false. It's not put on for the benefit of others. It is real. Secondly, it was intense. God can testify how I long for you, for all of you. You see, Paul misses them. He's homesick for them. I don't know how many times you spend away from your uh, family or from your loved ones. My parents have, I think my parents have spent, I think, something like seven days away from each other in their married life. And most of those are because they've been in hospital. They are literally homesick for one another when they are apart. And we are to be the same for one another when we do not spend time together. We should be missing one another when we cannot come tonight or in the morning. We should be missing those who are not here with us tonight. We feel that about our physical friends and family. But do we feel that about our brothers and sisters in Christ, our partners in the gospel? That intense, deep love. So it was intense, it was real. And third, it was Christ-like. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. The words there are from the very bowels of my heart. It is the most intense kind of love that you and I can ever share with anybody else. Think of that. And then just glance across the page and look at what Jesus' love is like for us. Chapter 2, verses 5 onwards. Verse 6, this is is Jesus' attitude and his love for us. He says, Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus does that for you and for me. He dies on a cross so that we can be reconciled with him. That is true love. And that is the love that we are to have for one another. A love without boundaries. A love that deepens our partnership for one another. A love that goes beyond our cliques. I guess not many of our youth, not many of our students mix with with some of our older folk. A number of our older folk go into the coffee bar afterwards. Uh, Students, youth, why don't you just poke your head in there and say hi to them? Older folk who come to the bar, why don't you go up and see the students upstairs? Get to know them because you are in gospel partnership with them. And you can't love somebody until you know them. Can I encourage you to do that? 
And just in case you think uh, I'm being just a little bit pushy, just listen to how the gospel changes our love for people. We heard it in uh, Acts chapter 16. Uh, We heard it about how the Philippian jailer, one moment he was clamping Paul and Silas in stocks. The next moment he has accepted God's grace himself. He has received the gospel. He has received God's grace. And what does he do? Verse 33, he washes Paul and Silas's wounds, having once slammed them into the stocks. And then, verse 34, he brings them into his home. He says, yes, I love them. I love them and I care for them. Lydia, she'd been converted not so long before the riots in Philippi. And straight as soon as Paul and Silas leave jail, she says, I want to be identified with them. And she has them back into her house. She loves them. That picture is almost unbelievable, isn't it? And it's unbelievable often because we haven't understood the nature of true love and true partnership. All too easily we accept and build poor relationships. All too easily we accept division within our church whether it's because of age or status or the jobs we do or what we look like. We all do it. But brothers and sisters, fellow recipients in grace, let's get to know one another. Let's love one another with that deep love that Jesus has for us. The deep love that we are to show for one another. Let's get rid of the cliques. Let's go beyond our comfort zones. Let's make a date with someone this week who we don't know. Someone perhaps the other side of a line we've drawn around us. And let's begin to enjoy real gospel partnership with each other. So a partnership characterised by deep love for each other. A partnership founded on the grace of God. Thirdly, and over the page, what's our partnership for? It's partnership for the advancement of God's gospel Ask the question, why does the NHS exist? Some people might wonder. Well, it's to care for the sick. Why does British Airways exist? To carry people from A to B, provided they can get in the air. Why does Christian partnership exist? Why does Christian partnership exist? It exists for the advancement of the gospel of God, to take the good news about Jesus to those who have not heard to those who are heading for hell because of their sins. And we see what uh, that looks like, what advancement of the gospel looks like in two ways in these uh, verses. Firstly, in verse 7, we see this, and this is the first sort of sub-point. I've called it contending together for the gospel. Do you see in verse 7 there, what it says, he says, Paul says, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. All of them have been right behind Paul every step of the way, whether he was in chains, as he was when he was writing that letter to to them, as he was when he first took the gospel to them, or whether he was free as he had been in the intervening time. All of them shared with Paul All of them stood square behind him. I guess it would have been tempting for them, wouldn't it, to have said, well, 
Actually, that's Paul's take on Jesus. That's Paul's take on the gospel. I, I don't really agree with Paul. It's just too fundamental. It's not really my kind of uh, Christianity. No, they didn't. They fought, stood full square behind Paul. Everyone, man, woman and child, all who had received God's grace, stood behind him. Total commitment. Because it's a team game. It's partnership. We're all partners in the advancement of the gospel. We're all doing it together. And not surprisingly, just as Paul came under attack, so people today come under attack for the gospel. The gospel itself comes under attack too. Not far from here in uh, recent weeks, uh, there's been a, a conference about Christa, the female Christ. And a number of us locally have decided to put our heads above the parapet and contend for the true gospel that Jesus is God's Son. He is our Saviour and our King. We will stand full square behind the true gospel and others who do so too. And I hope and pray that you will join us in that. However, our partnership in the gospel isn't just to be merely supportive. You might think that for a moment as you look down here at verse 7. But you see, verses 9 to 11 tell us it's not just to be supportive, it is also to be partnership in advancing the gospel ourselves. It's to be about us winning souls through the gospel ourselves. If you just look down through uh, verses 9 to 11, this is Paul's prayer or the culmination of his prayer for the Philippians. Remember, it's not just a prayer for some of them, it's a prayer for all of them. And it reveals that Paul's partnership with them, with them in the gospel is all about winning souls for Christ. And it tells us that it's not just something that we leave up to some people. It's not something we just leave up to the staff or to people like Frank Retief who came over for a Passion for Life mission. It's not something we just leave up to Vijay Menon, our speaker at the Curry Night this week, or to Martin Ayres or to uh, Roger Carswell two people joining us the week after this for events. It may not be immediately obvious that that's what Paul is praying for, but if you look down to uh, verse 11 there, we can say, see that Paul is praying that on the day of Christ, verse 10, verse 11, we will be filled or filled to overflowing with the fruit of righteousness. The fruit of righteousness, that is our purpose in gospel partnership. That is Paul pointing us to the words of Proverbs 11, verse 30. There are other references to it too. You can find it in Psalm 72, verse 3, in Isaiah 32, verse 17, or in Amos 6, verse 12. And you can see in those uh, verses that it's all about winning souls for Christ, saving people for eternity. Proverbs 11:30. you can see it on your sheets, says this. The fruit of righteousness is the tree of life. And then the second part of the proverb helps us to understand what that means. It says this, whoever captures souls is wise, is wise. And so we can see therefore that verse 11 is all about each of us, just as each of the Philippians were being prayed for, all of us who have received God's grace, winning souls, through Jesus Christ. Of course, that's the only way people can be saved and made right with God through him. And so as we work our way back through that prayer, 
it helps us to understand what verse 10 is speaking about. It helps us to see that in verse 10, Paul is praying that people may be able to discern what is best so that they may be pure and blameless until or on the day of Christ. How is that going to be so? Because they have used their time for what is best, for winning souls for Christ. What Paul is saying here is that we are to use every opportunity we can the best way possible so that people will be won, people will be saved. So that on that final day as we face up to Jesus, or rather Jesus stares us in the face, he cannot accuse us of wasting our time. You see, that is why Paul begins verse 9 with this. That's why he prays, verse 9, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That their love and our love for Jesus may grow and grow and grow. And you know, the only way that that's going to happen is if our love for him grows in knowledge and depth of insight into who he is. That's why the daily quiet time or time of Bible study and prayer is not just something that we say, oh, it's a good idea to do, but there's no way we can grow in love for Jesus unless we are actually relating to him. We are speaking to him and hearing from him, getting to know him better and love him more. This, you see, is where winning souls begins. We're only going to want to win souls for Christ and step out of our comfort zones for Christ if we love him. And we're only going to want to do that more and more and to use our time for doing that more and more when we come to really love him more and more and more. This is the picture of true partnership. This is the prayer for real gospel partnership where entire churches, just think of this, this is what Paul is praying for. It's a good thing for us to be praying for that we will be energetically, actively, wholeheartedly, consistently and persistently Partnering one another in the gospel. Supporting one another, contending together in the gospel and winning souls together, whether it's on campus, at school, in our neighbourhoods, at work, on the streets. Now I don't know where even 5% of us here tonight are doing that. I don't know where you're doing that. But I do know that if you have received God's grace if you are walking with Jesus day by day, then you will be doing that somehow. Or at least you should be. If you're someone who's new here at Christ Church, or, or if you're someone who's not sure where to start doing that, then please, can I encourage you to come and talk to myself, or to Peter, or to Paul, or, or to one of the staff afterwards, so that we can help you to understand how you fit into gospel partnership with us and us with you. It's a two-way street. You see, gospel partnership is not just an optional extra if you're really keen. It's actually the mark of the true Christian. Well, as I uh, begin to uh, close on this point, let me just give us a few ideas about what that may look like. A few thoughts to help us in our praying for one another and also in us practising gospel partnership so that we can begin to work out how we can go forward and have that bumper harvest for Jesus. First off, just think about your relationships that you have. Think about your family, your friends, the people you meet at school. 
Think about those that you meet at uni. Think about those that you work alongside. Think about how many hours you spend with those people. And just ask yourself for a moment, how much time have I spent with them, either if if they aren't yet a Christian, talking to them about Jesus and helping them to know who he is, or if they are Christians, actually helping and sitting down and talking with them about how you can reach other people that you jointly know. Thinking about the relationships that we have. Perhaps just even simple as this, getting together with somebody on your road and having a coffee morning. Sounds twee, but it's very easy to do. And it's something that we do more and more. Shares in the coffee companies are going through the roof because everybody loves to have a cup of coffee. Why not do that? Or get on the pub for a drink. Think about how you can use your relationships for gospel partnership. Or about your hobbies. How many hours a week or a month do you spend doing the hobbies that you do? How much time do you give to uh, looking out for fellow Christians in those hobbies and then partnering with them to reach the other people that you're doing the hobbies with? The gym. Or going to see films together. Or playing footy. You know what your hobbies are. Or think about the things that you read. What have you read in the last six months? I guess most of us have found time to to read newspapers or to read journals or magazines, novels. But have you found time to really get to know Jesus better? Through reading the Bible or or through reading Christian books? Uh, And one of the books that we're going to be uh, encouraged to read uh, shortly uh, is According to Plan. Great book for us to get to grips with. Helps us to understand the Bible. Helps us to get to know God better. Perhaps you might want to read that with a friend so that you can encourage one another to know Jesus better and you can get to know him better together. Why not do that? Or why not, for example, read a tract like Two Ways to Live and perhaps try to learn a way of explaining the gospel to other people with somebody else and then go out and try and encourage one another to use it. Think about what you read. Think about your job or your choice of job or your choice of career. It's not just a job, but it's where you're going to spend loads and loads of time. It's not just where you're going to earn cash. It's supposed to be where we're going to win souls. Look out for Christians at work. Meet up with Christians at work and encourage one another to be doing that. Think about your home or choice of home. Is it going to be your castle? your empire? Or is it going to be the place for gospel partnership with other people? Sitting down, talking with friends about Jesus, having others round, having a meal together. Is your house going to be set up for winning souls? Or even just think about your vote. Is your vote going to be the best choice for the gospel? Is it going to bring freedom for the gospel and for gospel partnership? Well, I could go on, I could talk about TV and internet, about our hopes and dreams, about our use of money. I guess at this stage, many of us are feeling quite guilty. I have to admit, by the time I was getting to this stage and writing the sermon, I was feeling quite guilty. Because none of us does what's best all the time, do we? Often we choose what may be better 
but not best. Sometimes we may choose what is good, but not what is better than good. And other times we may choose what is bad rather than what is good. God is longing for a bumper harvest. And I often feel very inadequate, don't you? But let's not give up tonight. Let's not give up, but let's go back to the God of grace. That's where it all started for us. We start out by grace and we go on by grace. And let's ask for his forgiveness. Let's ask for his help to love him more, to know him better each day, and to help one another to do that. And then ask his help that we may partner one another in winning souls. My time is nearly up, but I must just end by just highlighting the end point or the goal of gospel partnership. You see, as souls are one, we don't just sort of notch them up on our Bible, brought somebody to Christ today. No, we don't do that. And the great evangelists don't go counting the number of people they've led to Christ on a mission. Because, you see, in verse 11, we see that partnership is always to God's praise and glory. We do it for Jesus, our King, for his praise and glory. It's his gospel. He saved us through that gospel. He created our gospel partnership in the first place. He's given us the message to proclaim through that partnership. And he brings the results. Which is why we must praise him and give him the glory for anything that comes out of our gospel partnership. Either as individuals or as a church or in the world. Well, the volcanic ash cloud is disappearing. Soon it will be a distant memory. And the partnerships that it created will be long gone. But our partnership in the gospel must not be long gone. It must be growing. And I wonder how we're going to go forward tonight. I hope and pray that we will go forward as those who are in gospel partnership, created by grace, characterized by love, and for the advancement of the gospel and God's glory. Is that what you want? That's what I want. So let's encourage one another to do just that. Shall we pray?